Good morning, church. We are so glad that you have joined us here this Sunday morning. Uh, we are bummed that we can't be in person, but uh, we are trying to be prudent and uh, take the high road and better safe than sorry. And we look forward to uh, being all together next Sunday. Uh, that'll be May 22nd, back at the YMCA at 1030. But we do have a lesson to get into, so let's get into it. Uh, we all hope that uh, you had a fantastic, uh, the ladies in our lives, a fantastic Mother's Day uh, last weekend and uh, hopefully extended into this week. Uh, we took a break from our series in the book of Acts, but we will pick that up today in Acts chapter 21, uh, where we will be, be reading 1 through 16. So if you have a Bible, you can make your way over there now, uh, Acts chapter 21, uh, five, uh, 1 through 16. But before we jump into our text this morning, I, uh, I want you to think about a time where you were determined to accomplish something. And I want you to think about that something and think about why it mattered to you. Um, while you were trying to do that, did you encounter any obstacles? And uh, at any point, were you thinking about giving up um, or maybe just taking your foot off the gas and taking it easy? Um, were there any voices in your head or uh, of your own or of others that were trying to convince you uh, that what you were doing, what you were striving to do, wasn't worth it. And what was ultimately, uh, you know, if you gave up, amen, that uh, is still on the table for you. But if you did come through and finish and accomplish whatever you were setting out to do, you know, what, what about it? Uh, or what would be essential about that task or that desire uh, that would motivate you to uh, get back after it, to see it through? Or what was it that was essential that motivated you or inspired you to push through despite the voices or obstacles. And I want you to think about the reward and how rewarding it was to finish, to accomplish that, to achieve it. And for those who, who are still on the grind or need to get back on the horse, so to speak, you know, what, what would be the great reward? What would make it worth it? And again, uh, we all have these moments and I want you to think about that again, a time where you were determined to accomplish something. And uh, hopefully it wasn't just making your bed, although that has uh, some great importance for us, uh, but something substantial that you are striving to accomplish or wanted to see done, um, to be a part of, or a dream, whatever it might be, and the obstacles, and what was essential, and what was the great reward, and why did it matter. And again, we all have those moments where we're after something uh, we believe in deeply, where we, we're striving to accomplish something, and there's obstacles, there's voices, there's people who disagree or people who are uh, try, trying to dissuade us or convince us that what we're doing uh, or how we're going about it isn't the best way. And I think we can all relate to that. And I want you to think about um, another scenario here, but not so much going after something you want to accomplish, but how about, uh, how about pursuing God's will? That same mentality uh, where we are pursuing seeing God's will be done with uh, the same fervor, of whatever that was that you were striving or so so diligently were pursuing. You know, do we have that same spirit about wanting to see God's will be done? Now, that's something we all can relate to. We might share stories of what that thing was for you, and some of us might be able to relate. Others may not. But if you're a disciple of Jesus or if you're on this uh, service with us today, I think you can relate to the desire to want to see God's will done. And uh, what, what we're talking about today in this sermon, this morning, 
is not a, a passive approach to seeing God's will be done. It's not a, uh, a fatalistic view of, hey, you know, God's going to do what he's going to do. But more so really believing that uh, you are in partnership with God, that he does have this uh, incredible plan that's better than we can ever ask, uh, think of, ask or imagine. But there are plenty of things that God does lay out in scripture that it's his will and he wants us to be a part of those things and to strive to be a part of those things and to do those things. And there will be obstacles. So we are looking at this today um, as an invitation to be about God's will, to pursue it, uh, to have that dogged mentality, that uh, to see it through in a great way. So we want to invite all of us or go into that, that heart, that, that space in our minds where God has invited us to partner with him and his spirit to see it through, to see his will uh, occur, to see that all happen. So what we're not going to do this morning is jump to uh, questions that I often ask, like, well, what is God's will for, for my life? And we kind of get very specific to you or I, you know, what does God want me to do with my career, or et cetera, et cetera. Now, those things are important to think about and, and important to get answers, but we're kind of broader this morning. That's a whole other lesson uh, for another time. But uh, as important as those questions are, we, we want today to be an honest look into you and I's heart to do God's will and where we where we stand with all of that and what's really been going on and what's what could be going on and what is going on with our hearts to simply be about uh, God's will in doing the work. Um, and that could be summarized by being like Jesus, being uh, sensitive to the Spirit, walking in His presence, uh, but a really a fight, a heart, a heart that wants to be guided uh, by God and His Spirit through His Word and in, in all of the uh, moments where the Spirit is like the wind in our lives. So, all about God's will today. So, the title of my lesson this morning is doing his will and his will being done doing his will and his will being done sounds similar but it's really about this kind of uh dichotomy or these kind of two-pronged uh reality of our lives as disciples and as those who want to follow jesus and uh to live like be, be like god is that there's parts that we need to do ultimately doing God's will where we can choose to not accept that invitation or choose to ignore that and do what we want. But there's also that spot and more often than not space in our lives where we need to get surrendered to God's will being done. That there's a great desire that you and I have. There's great uh, pursuits that are even in God's name that maybe God says, eh, nope, not the time or this isn't how it's going to happen. And we have to be resolved to seeing God's will being done. Uh, so that's the kind of twofold, doing his will and his will being done. As Christians, we live in both of those spaces. So let's read together in Acts chapter 21. You can follow along on the screen here or, uh, or read your own text here. But Acts 21, starting in verse 1, it says, After we had torn ourselves away from them, that's referring to Paul saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders that we looked at a couple weeks ago down in Radford. And it says that, so that's them. We put out to sea. And sailed straight to Kos. The next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patera. We found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, went on board and set sail. After sighting Cyprus and passing the south of it, we sailed on to Syria. We landed at Tyre, where our ship was to unload its cargo. 
We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, including wives and children, accompanied us out of the city. And there on the beach, we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went on board the ship and then returned, and they returned home. We continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at Ptolemy, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. After this, we started on our way up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea accompanied us and brought us to the home of Maniah, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Manasin, where we were to stay. He was one of the men from Cyprus and one of the early disciples. All right, cool text, and you know Luke is uh, again the author of this this uh, you know second part of his his story, uh, and he is obsessed with the uh, the travel details. So we have here uh, Paul, officially Paul's third missionary journey, and um, he is going from one place to another. We don't have time to get in all to it. You know, uh, I'll show you a map here, uh, so you can see this map here of where where Paul's going. Bing, bang, boom, boom, boom. Uh, we have the common travel, uh, mostly by ship here. Eventually, there's a small walking path that, that Paul would, would take, most likely in from Caesarea into Jerusalem. But that's a little bit later in this text. But as you can see in this map, it's uh, ping-ponging around. And the smaller ships that were not kind of seaworthy out in the, the depth uh, of the sea, of the Mediterranean, uh, they would hug the coastline. So first couple travel points, they would hug the coastline. And then where we see here that Paul is actually uh, on landed at Tyre. This is in verse verse three, where our ship was to unload unload its cargo. Tyre, if you're interested, larger port city, makes sense that they would land there to untie this cargo. Gives them a little bit of time to find the disciples. And it's really interesting is that this is the first time <clears throat> uh, where Paul would meet a lot of these disciples. These these disciples would have been converted um, by the Hellenistic Jews. Uh, really, really cool. So anyway, you have all this going on. And then they uh, they uh, set sail again. Another one, verse 7. They go to Ptolemy and all these different spots. So eventually Caesarea. And uh, eventually they're marching on to Jerusalem, which we'll, we'll get, get a little bit more uh, detail there down the line. So Paul's third missionary journey. Luke's focused on all the different places and ports and stops along the way. And uh, what we see and what the big idea here is that we have three separate instances where Paul is stopping, meeting disciples. Some he's met, some he does not know. Uh, some he's, uh, at the end of the text, is, is uh, united with, with Philip, not one of the apostles, but one of the seven that was set aside in Acts chapter 6 to uh, disseminate the food for the, uh, the, the Greek widows 
So that's Philip and his four daughters who prophesied. <clears throat> and then eventually one of the early disciples in Manasseh, who most likely would have walked with Jesus, <clears throat> would have known Jesus in Jerusalem. Pretty cool stuff. So in every instance, we have Paul uh, having communicated where he's going. That's a common question. Where are you going, Paul? I'm going to Jerusalem. And at every instance, he is warned. He is encouraged. They plead with him not to go to Jerusalem. You know, Agabus comes down, a prophet in Caesarea, and tells Paul, takes Paul's belt, uh, kind of like a, a sash down here in his waist, ties up his own hands and says, this is what's going to happen to you. And then note, note the, uh, the, the pro- pronoun here, personal pronoun in verse 14, where it says, we gave up and said. Luke groups himself in this point, and Luke now is like, no, we're not going. Don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go. And Paul says, man, why are you, why are you breaking my heart? Uh, it, in, in the Greek, it literally means, why are you, uh, why are you rolling me, uh, <laughs> why are you rolling me through the laundry? It, it's literally kind of like, you know, the old, the old way they used to do laundry, uh, not so much with the, the, the aluminum kind of grooves, but stones like rocks would just be whoosh, 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 on, on these clothes to get them clean as they soaked. So Paul has this kind of image of like, why are you, why are you running me through, uh, the wash, why are you ripping me, ripping me through with stones? Why are you grating on me? Not so much annoying me, but man, you're give, you're running me through the ringer. Uh, he's going through the ringer. Why are you doing this? You're breaking my heart. And uh, Paul's really expressing this, that he's wrestled with this. It hurts. He, he's in, engaging all these disciples three different times, but Paul is resolved. <clears throat> he's resolute to go to Jerusalem. To the point where he says, even if I have to die doing it. And they give up. And we see this resolve from Paul. To walk in the way of discipleship. To walk in the way of Jesus. To do God's will. He is resolved. And along the way, we have these disciples, as I mentioned. These disciples that are spirit-filled. Urging Paul not to go. And you got to think, well, is this some type of rejection of the spirit by Paul? Because uh, we've seen that prior in the book of Acts where Paul is told and uh, disciples say, hey, you got to come this way. Uh, and, and he follows. Uh, he's told not to go to certain places. The Spirit tells him. The Spirit of Jesus tells him not to go. Satan prevents him. Paul's very sensitive to all these things. So as we read this text, uh, it really does uh, imply that the disciples, one, being filled with the Spirit themselves, are urging him not to go. And he's not listening to them. So is there some type of contradiction uh, to Paul following the Spirit. And again, I, I, I want to encourage us here that we should not, or we should treat this not <clears throat> as Paul's rejection of uh, some type of prophetic oracle by the disciples, but as another case of the Spirit's revelation to Christian prophets, to the brothers and sisters, of what may lay in store for Paul at Jerusalem. So again, they're, they're, they're learning and they're getting insight from God's spirit as to what is ultimately going to wait for Jerusalem or wait for Paul in Jerusalem. Paul's not ignoring the spirit, but actually there's revelation coming through the disciples about what ultimately will happen. And they're going to get on board to what God has set in motion. So Paul, uh, and who wouldn't, you know, Paul's, you know, Paul's friends and you and I, if you knew trouble was waiting for, for me somewhere, you wouldn't say go for it. Uh, Paul's not a troublemaker uh, intentionally, and he's not looking for trouble. Uh, but he is resolved to do God's will at any cost. 
So anyway, he's not ignoring the spirit. He's not ignoring an oracle of truth. Paul is not to be dissuaded. And that says something to us. You know, there's a, a deeper connection here in the book of Acts as Luke writes all of this for us that, uh, that really does link up with Jesus, who Paul is, uh, Paul follows, is his Lord and Savior. And there's similar connections to Paul's pursuit, Paul's travel rather to Jerusalem and uh, Jesus' travel to Jerusalem and his ultimate uh, death there. You know, in both cases, there is a similar plot by the Jews for Paul and for Jesus. There's a handing over that's going to happen uh, to the Gentiles. There's a triple prediction <laughs> of the way of suffering. Jesus says it three different times that I'm going to be handed over to the Gentiles. Son of man will be, will be killed. And it's no, 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 to the point Peter rebukes Jesus and, you know, gets that turn back on him. And then here there's three different pit stops where Paul is, in, is encouraged. No, 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 no. But there's a way of suffering three different times. There's a steadfast resolution, both by Paul and Jesus. You can look at Luke 9, verse 51, where Jesus says, it says there, Jesus resolutely walked towards Jerusalem. The disciples were afraid and the crowds were amazed. It's one of my favorite passages because it's just Jesus like, brow, I'm going, man. Like eye of the tiger kind of moment. And he's going and he's got you and I in mind. I love that. It melts my heart and it just emboldens me for sure. So there's steadfast resolution by Jesus and then I don't know how more resolute you can be. Even if I got to die, I'm going. He says that here in this text. Amazing. Wow. That's awesome. And then uh, fifthly, there's a, a resignation. There's a resignation by the disciples, by Luke, to do God's will, to let God's will be done. In the same way, Jesus is in Gethsemane, you know, and he, he says, not my will, but God's will be done. Those five similarities as Paul ventures to Jerusalem as Jesus ventured to Jerusalem, there's an image God wants us to see in this text. I believe Luke, uh, by the Spirit, is lacing into all of this, is that the people, the followers of Jesus, they're going to have similarities <laughs> to Jesus' life. Duh! What? And, you know, you think, oh, wow, that's how profound. No, not really, but it can be. Because sometimes in my heart, I think, well, yeah, I want to follow Jesus, but I, I don't really want to have what happened to him happen to me. You know, I think following Jesus, my life should get better, easier. No suffering, easy, easy, easy peasy. But no, uh, there's a sense that there's a cost to discipleship here. There's a re resolution, a resolve to do God's will that is absolutely necessary for someone who's going to follow Jesus. So as we consider Paul, what can we think about for, our, for ourselves? You know, um, there is a sense for us to think through our own resolve to do God's will. So if there was a first point, here it is. Resolve to do his will. There you go. A resolve to do his will. Resolve is no matter what, whenever what comes my way, whenever obstacles, whatever voices, whatever hindrances, I am resolved. I have made up my mind. This is what's most important. This is what needs to be done no matter at all costs. This is what needs to happen. You know, that's, that's Paul here, and that's who we should be as disciples of Jesus, is resolved to do God's will, that God's will reigns supreme, that there is no greater joy for a disciple of Jesus to, than to do what God wants us to do. You know, you can look into specific instances as where God gets very clear about what his will is for us. 
Our, his will is for us to be holy, to be set apart. His will is us for is to not complain or to argue. Uh, Philippians talks about that. There's there's a number of passages, but we don't have time for that. But uh, there's there's so much so in that. But living to do God's will, a pursuit, a hardcore uh, reality that you know what. I'm going to do this. And we know, Jesus tells us as disciples of him, that it's going to be hard. That there's going to be trouble in this world. But take heart, I've overcome the world. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be, there's going to be temptations and trials and hiccups and stumbles. We have Satan who roars, who prowls around like a lion, who wants to sift us like wheat. There's sin in the world. There's the world among us. All those things make being resolved to follow Jesus difficult. You know, being a disciple of Jesus, we got to be resolved to not please everyone. You are going to divide. You are going to ruffle feathers. You don't need to look for that. It's going to. You don't need to be uh, unique, uh, extra unique to make that happen. Just be like Jesus and that will happen. Follow the spirit that will happen. You know, the world, uh, excuse me, in Hebrews, it talks about these people who the hall of faith who were resolved to, uh, to see one day what was promised. And it talks about them as the world not being worthy of them. I love that. And as disciples who are resolved to do God's will, the world is not worthy of us. That's not for us to stick up our, our nose of the world or to kind of beat our chest or to say we're better than anybody. But the truth is, we're pursuing something that's so much greater than anything the world can do. We're partnering with God to be to see the world restored, so much greater than any pursuit that we can have. And I think we've got we've got to be resolved to those truths. We've got to remind ourselves of what we're about this morning and what we really are as disciples. And so we're not here to to fill a seat. We're not here just to be nice people. We're not here just to be kind. We're not just here to kind of get along with everybody. We're here to do God's will. And that's going to have its challenges. That's going to have its victories. That's going to have its rewards. Uh, but it's got to be the greatest thing that we can have. You know, Jesus says there as he was walking to the cross, dying for us, that it was the joy set before him that, that allowed him to endure the shame of the cross. What's the joy? The joy of being reunited with his father. The joy of all of us having that path to being with the father again. That eternal perspective is what ultimately motivated him to do God's will. Paul says this in, in one of his letters in, in to the Corinthians, to live as Christ, to die as gain, that to them doing God's will, finishing the race, doing what needs to happen is the ultimate prize, is the ultimate thing. And I know for us, and I know I'm not the only one, but I know for me, my resolve to be about, to enjoy, to want to and desire to do God's will above all else, that resolve has, has been worn down by the fight. You know, 18, 19 years of being disciple, that resolve wears thin. Going through COVID and COVID years and separated and online, not online and social injustice and tensions all over the world and a lot of uh, authorities in our world, both domestic and abroad, failing wholesale that just makes us question authority all the more our own church going through things it just it just grates on us and grinds us down and paul had plenty of those too paul had plenty of those moments leading up to this point you can see that uh see that as we've already studied but guess what he's going to need more resolve because chapters 22 through 28 it's more of the same 
Honestly, it's a whole other level where Paul will be in prison in Caesarea for two years. Paul will eventually be going from trial to trial and eventually will be beheaded in Rome. And one of the last verses of the book of Acts was, was Paul, once again, his resolve to preach the good news. And we'll get to that in a couple weeks. But, you know, have the current challenges of our world. Have the current challenges of your life. Has the years of following Jesus really grinded down your resolve? You know, how might that look is... You know, the, the grind of the day-to-day at our jobs where gossip is flying around, where people are talking about politics or criticizing our leaders or, or um, you know, demeaning uh, of certain people or how people look. And eventually, you know, we, we said, man, I'll, I'll never participate in some of this worldliness. I'll never let politics uh, be greater than, than God's sovereignty in my life. I'll, I'll never find myself laughing at these jokes that degrade women or people of color or, or you know white jokes or whatever it may whatever it might be I'll, I'll never be you know giggling or adding to uh, the coarse joking at my job or with my teammates or or with my neighbors you know we kind of had those resolves uh, convictions early on but do we find ourselves giving into the gossip do we find ourselves posting more about politics than we do about what God is up to do we find ourselves you know having thoughts and negativity uh, where we're criticizing our leaders, both government and within the church, or uh, criticizing one another, or just kind of giving up to apathy. You know, if you say yes to any of those things, you know, you're in good company because we've all had that resolve worn down. But it's good for us to recognize where that might be in our lives. Paul had that uh, that grind. He wasn't a masochist. He wasn't looking for for hardship, but he had that grind. He felt the weaknesses. He was he he says later in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, that he was beaten, but not dead. He was left for dead. Good report, bad report. One of my favorite passages. Rough, rough, rough. Um, but he continues to go. You know, we are meant to imitate that type of resolve. You know, I, into my to my shame, my life is nowhere near as difficult as Jesus, nowhere near as difficult as our brothers and sisters here in the first century. But I find myself, my resolve to do God's will to stand firm, to be holy, to watch what comes out of my mouth, to to be disciplined in my thoughts, to rely on God, uh, those things can wane. You know, my question for you is, are you still living to do God's will? As disciples, that's what we signed up for. Eh, Not my will, but God's will be done. Is that still your greatest desire? Is Jesus still Lord of your life? Are you still loving your neighbor? Are you still hungering for righteousness? Is heaven still your greatest desire? Is letting his spirit guide you through his word and God's people and prayer still your greatest outlet? You know, that was Paul's and he had to work for it too. And you and I must work for it as well. You know, what what resolutions or what convictions need renewal in your life? You know, what would you begin to notice if you started to thirst for righteousness? What would you notice about your workplace or your household if you went after self-control and joy, and not complaining or being anxious? You know, what difference do you believe it would make in your life, in your neighborhood, to be a man or a woman who desires to do God's will? You know, what would our church look like if we all made the decision to have God's will and doing His will be our greatest joy and our greatest desire? 
You know, secondly, again, we're resolved to do his will first. Secondly, but we need a community. Community that desires God's will to be done. You know, we see in this text that Paul, as I said earlier, goes from place to place to place. And everywhere he goes, he has the joy of meeting with disciples. And he gathers with them for uh, a number of days, a week, uh, one day. And then eventually he's going to be with uh, he's going to be with uh, Philip and his daughters and, and the disciples in Caesarea for quite some time. He's going to go to Jerusalem. And he's going to see the uh, the elders there, James and uh, or James and John. He's going to see them, and he's eventually going to come back to Caesarea, Caesarea and be imprisoned for two years there in Herod's uh, Herod's um, house right there on the Mediterranean Sea, and he's going to rub elbows uh, as Luke will with Philip, the evangelist. He's going to rub elbows with the four daughters. And the beautiful thing here is this community is that Paul's going to be able to share all the things that, that God had done through the Gentiles. And uh, Philip is going to be able to share all that God did through the areas of Samaria, where he went to preach up and down uh, Caesarea, present-day Israel and Syria. And uh, Philip's daughters are going to be able to prophesy and preach and talk uh, talk about all that they've seen God do. You know what's happening here in this community? That's that that there's this community of people that have desired to do God's will. We're gonna have Luke hearing from Philip. We're gonna have Luke hearing from Manasseh, who was an early disciple. We're gonna be hearing. We're gonna have Luke uh, listening to Paul in all the journeys of the Gentiles. You know what we're gathering in this moment through this community of people who are resolved to see God's will be done. We're getting Luke and the Book of Acts. We're getting that all those beautiful stories that you and I have been studying, all that's happening because a community was desiring to see God's will be done. And that's what we have here in the bigger, the bigger picture. But this community that desires to do God's will, I love this here. They, they are heartsy for Paul. Don't go, don't go, don't go. But he says, I'm going. And eventually, as we read already in verse 14, they gave up, Luke included, the Lord's will be done. A resolve to trust God, resolve to help each other figure out what God's will is. You know, this is amazing, guys. Paul doesn't know these folks, but what they have in common is all they need. They have the spirit of Jesus. They have the spirit in them. So what does that allow them to do? That allows them to give input into Paul's biggest dream. It allows them to give uh, direction and insight and talk through the biggest decision of Paul's life to this point. You don't know him at all, but they come in because they're brothers and sisters and their hearts are knitted instantly. He had to be torn away from the church in Ephesus. And here they're gathering in prayer. They're wrestling through these big decisions. Their hearts go out for Paul, but they're trying, I believe, to discern what God's will is. They don't always agree. And I love that image about God's church, that one, there's a great, great distinction that you and I are knitted together because we have the Spirit of God. That allows me to care about your life, and that allows that allows you to care about my life. That also should open my heart wide to your input as a man or a woman filled with that same Spirit to give input about my desires, my dreams, my hopes to do God's will. That maybe I'm off, as we've seen earlier in the book of Acts, where the disciples are the ones that said, no, 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 off to Bria with you. Nope, do not go back in there. You're going here. We need that interaction. Kevin preached about that a few weeks ago. But we need this community that wrestles to see God's will be done. That as they discuss and as they exchange, 
they meet and do this beautiful thing that we see twice now in this chapter. In these, these two chapters, 20 and 21, they sit and kneel on the beach and pray together. A community that's determined to help each other see God's will be done. We need that here in the RVC. We need to be a part of that. I think that's the second thing that stands out here is this beautiful kingdom community of people that are resolved to see God's will be done. It's a beautiful thing. And if you're a disciple of Jesus, you're a part of that. And the last two years have kind of robbed us of many outlets of community. But we need to be resolved to build that community, to build friends that partner with us to help us discern and do the will of God that are going to talk about those things, that we're going to run those things by, and we're going to pray, and we're going to be resolved to see God's will be done. You know, I love this. And I pray for you and I that we are in that community. You know, I, I asked the question, and we've got to work hard for this, is that are you are you in a community that, that really is determined to see you do the will of God, where input and advice are, are happening? where you're asking for input. You're asking for advice about big decisions in your life. I know I'm there. These last two years of being insular and a little bit more focused and a lot of my decisions, um, a lot of ways haven't had to deal with the greater body of Christ because we've been kind of on our own little family units that I can get into the pattern of doing my own thing, making decisions even for God without prayer and getting input. But here we see that a community that's set to do God's, God's will they're praying, they're giving input and receiving input. Even Paul, who is an apostle of Jesus, who hears the very words that come from Jesus' mouth, according to what Jesus says there uh, in Acts chapter 9. And it's he that's getting input. It's he that's wrestling. It's he that's being run through the gauntlet uh, of, of questioning and pleading to get to this point where they can discern what God's will ultimately is. You know, are you a part of that? If not, get in a community that is. Pull a brother aside, pull, pull a sister aside, get another couple in your lives that, that you can, boom, you can say from here on out, we're going to be in each other's lives to help us live out the will of God. You know, these are important things because we need community to help uh, to shape us. We need community to carry our burdens. We need community to be able to get, get things that we think and believe out there so that we can help get, get the discernment from the Spirit. We need people in our lives like Agabus, who show up in our lives and give us a word of truth. You know, prophesying or predictions. Yeah, maybe not really, no prophecies happening per se, but people that are going to show up in your life and give you truth, let you know what's going to happen if you make decisions in your life. Now, Paul was set on going to Jerusalem and he says, you're going to be, you're going to come into trouble. You know, we need people like that in our lives. Say, hey man, if both promises and reality, like, hey, if you, if you venture away from, from Jesus as Lord, you got stuff coming. If you don't repent, you got hardship. If you pursue impurity, it's going to rob you of joy and your passion. If you don't forgive, it's going to crush your heart. If you stray away from the true discipleship, you're going to get into this hokey pokey, purposefulless life. You know, we need those encouragements and, and truthful warnings about what happens when we decide to do our own will rather than God's will. But we also need these agabuses in our lives that show and say, hey man, you're on the right path. Keep going. You know, not, not trouble, but blessing awaits for you. 
that this is going to be difficult, but you've got it. You've got what, what it takes to, to persevere. And we need that. And we see that in, in, in the book of Hebrews, these texts that tell us over and over again to, to not give up, to not grow weary of doing good in Galatians chapter 6. But Hebrews 13 says here, Now may the God of peace, who by the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, our Lord Jesus Christ, to equip you with every good thing to do his will, working in us what is pleasing before him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever. What's Peter saying there, or excuse me, what is the author of Hebrews saying in that text? Is that God's equipping us to do his will. How does he do that? Well, he does it through his spirit. He does it through his word, 2 Timothy 3. He does it through prayer. He does it through interactions with the body of Christ. All those things equip us to do his will. We're not left out trying to figure it out on our own. He's given us community and resources to equip us to do his will. You know, are we being guided by community, by that, tr- by that truth that comes through community? Are we allowing others to demonstratively <laughs> equip us, take our, take our belt and show us demonstratively about what's going on in our lives, about what will happen are we allowing those things to happen? You know, I need to learn how to make friends all over again after COVID. I wasn't a great friend to begin with, but I've got to learn it all over again. You know, be a good friend. Provide wise counsel. Be available. Pursue it. Even if it's not a strength, they needed all of that. Paul's hearts were knit together with this group. It made it hard for him to go to Jerusalem, but he was resolved to do God's will. Now, as we prepare to take communion, I want us to think about these connections between Paul going to Jerusalem and Jesus ultimately going to Jerusalem. This is called, this text, it's often called Paul's Gethsemane, where three times he's, he's really asked to consider about going to Jerusalem, but is resolved to do so. You know, spoiler alert, Paul isn't killed in Jerusalem, but there's hardship and it will be the stepping stones to where he will be on trial in Rome and will be beheaded and die. And this is, as we celebrate communion, it's in lieu of Jesus' Gethsemane, where Jesus was resolved to go to Jerusalem, where he was handed over to the Gentiles. He was spat on, beaten, flogged, and crucified for us. And he prayed in Gethsemane three times to not let his will be done, but God's will be done. And thank God that he was resolved to do so. That that resolve allows you and I to have the blood of Jesus wash over all of our impurities and bring us to sonship and daughtership, to adopted sons and daughters of our Jesus. That now we can be equipped by him in his spirit and be a part of his community of the body of believers and to pursue the will of God, the greatest purpose, the greatest partnership that's ever been shared is one that we have because of Jesus. You know, consider the, the will of God as we take the bread and the juice. Consider the resolve that you and I need to have as we follow him. Consider his life, his death, and his resurrection, and the joy set before him that now can equip us and motivate us to be resolved to be two things, to do God's will and to be a part of a community that's doing God's will. I pray this has brought you encouragement, brought you great moments to think and great opportunities to share and and pursue God's will. This time we'll have a brief reflection over the, uh, the bread and juice that you possess, and then we'll have a final song to close us out. We love you, and we'll see you next Sunday.
We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. Be sure to check back every Sunday for new sermons listed right here. Subscribe to us on YouTube and like us on Facebook to stay in touch with all that God is doing in the Roanoke Valley Church. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.